There was a story of a ship that was sinking in the middle of the ocean. The uh, captain came out to the people that were on board and he said, does anyone here know how to pray? And one person raised their hand. So the captain said, good, you go over here to pray. We're all going to put life jackets on because we're one short. <laughs> well, sometimes it may not be an advantage to be the one that knows how to pray, huh? We're looking at some storms here today. Today is a different service for us. Normally, uh, I'm more comfortable just teaching in the Word of God, picking out a passage here, here and looking at a topic and different things from that and just staying on that for the duration of the thing. And if you like one of those, we had a real good one last week. I'm still feeding off some of the things that the Lord was showing me last week and, and all that. And Jesus was calming the storm and how the disciples were frustrated. We've been on the topic of uh, a bigger topic, but the smaller topic of the last couple of weeks has been frustration. How many have ever dealt with frustration? We're teaching how the Word of God has to say about it. But today we're taking on something a little bit different. We're going over what in the world is going on. What is happening to the world that is around us? Because we have seen a lot of very large storms, a lot of large disasters, a lot of nasty things going on. And as soon as we see these things happen, who gets blamed? We all look at it that, well, why didn't God stop this? Why did God send this? Why did God bring this about? And most times, if you ask people, why do you think that God did this? You know, well, you know, they'll just give you some kind of reasoning thing. No one can go to the Word of God and say, well, how did, where'd this thing come from? No one can go to the, very few people seem to be able to go to the Word of God to say that it didn't come from God. And very few people can go to the Word of God and say that it did come from God. So we're left in this place where, where why are these things happening? Now, we got things going on around the world. We're not looking at all the ones going all around the world. We're looking at the ones that are happening right here in the good old U.S. of A. Because this is where we live. And we're very familiar with all the things that have been going on in our world, haven't we? So we're going to look at some of these things that have gone on. So we're not going to spend as much time in the passage of Scripture going over some of the truths that are there for us. We're going to spend a lot more time on what's been happening in the world and then looking at what the Bible has to say about it. So I hope you are with me here on this one as we follow on through. But we're going to start off here in Matthew chapter 24. The disciples came to Jesus and asked them some questions. They said, Jesus went out and departed from the temple and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. Because they're beautiful. They're, they're great. They were proud of them. And Jesus said to them, do you see, do you not see all these things? Surely I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another. They shall not be thrown down. He's saying that this temple that you're seeing is all going to be all tore up. Going to be torn down, beat up and so forth. And they uh, were confused at that and they came back later on and said, well, you know, when's this going to happen? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Because they were curious. How many of y'all are curious when the end of the world is? It's not hard to figure out that people are curious about that because as soon as somebody comes up and says, I know when it's going to happen, it's going to be May 21st or October 21st or whatever kind of other dates that they have. As soon as they do that, we have people that buy tapes and buy books and watch the videos and make plans and all sorts of stuff that are going on. And... Um, you know, May 21st went on by. Was it 21st, 22nd, whatever they, they picked out. I forget which one it was. And then when that one fell by the wayside, then they picked one in October, and then that one went by the wayside too. And so we're, we're still left with, you know, when's this going to happen? Well, the disciples were wondering 2,000 years ago, when, when are these things going to happen? You're telling us the temple is going to be torn down. When are these things going to be going on? So we want to take a look at some things that are happening because we have a group of people. I think there was even a movie made about it, about the Mayans. You know, and they called for the end of the world uh, this year. Yeah, 
Yeah, and all kinds of stuff have been made of that. I saw somebody who who uh, went up on Facebook and they put that little picture of of uh, stuff up there about uh, that the Mayans didn't account for leap years and um, uh, other stuff like that, and and so we're actually not there. That the, their end of the year was uh, last year sometime, something like that. Well, that was wrong because the Mayans did not count leap years; they counted the distance that the Earth went around the Sun. So the year, their year, is exactly what our year is. But the Mayans didn't call for the end of the world. They called for the end of the age. I'm not trying to get you into the Mayans and all the stuff they went on. They were heathens. They were worshiping idols. And I don't really take anything that they said to be gospel truth. They just thought that the world was going to leave one age and go into another. That's all that they said. But people came up with end of the world scenarios. And I didn't go see that movie. I think it was out in theaters. Or was it was just a TV made for TV movie. I don't know what it was. But whatever it was, it was based on the Mayan thing. And well, that kind of came and went. Then we got the global warming people out there. We want to talk about, you know, we're killing the earth by breathing because we produce carbon dioxide when we breathe. And, you know, we've spent time on here before. That's a, that's a hoax. There is nothing that man can do to change this earth that God created. And even by their own things, the carbon dioxide, we can't alter carbon dioxide a whole lot at all. And water vapor is a much bigger source of global warming or cooling. You know, we have a cloudy day. It's going to be... Cool. If you have a sunny day, it's going to be? There you go. There's your biggest global, global warming gas right there. And we don't control how much water vapor is in the air. So it's, we'll have people that global warming is destroying the earth. We have that the earth is coming to an end. We have that God's going to destroy the earth. We have all kinds of things that are happening. What is really going on? Why is it that we are seeing such monstrous storms, great death tolls, tornadoes that are just in, incredible, uh, tsunamis? Uh, disasters, just one after another, it seems. Is this a sign that the end of the age is coming? And so we're spending a little time on that here today. I want to go back over to Genesis. We just need to lay some groundwork on, on some things that God has declared in the Word of God in order for us to understand this. In Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. What a powerful statement that all was. All the things that came out of this is, is just great. We know that through Abraham, because of his willingness to sacrifice his son, he didn't need to do it, but he just needed to be willing. God was able to bless all of us with the sacrifice of his son. He said, I'm going to bless all nations because of you. But he also said that those who bless you, I will bless I mean, it's, it's one thing to be blessed by people. It's another thing to be blessed by God. And if you, those who curse you, I will curse. In Genesis chapter 22, verse 15, Then the angel of the Lord called to Abram, Abraham a second time out of heaven, and he said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Blessing, I will bless you. In multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of the enemies. In, the, in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. He's going to multiply Abraham. He's going to bring his descendants, form them into a nation, bring them into a land. In Genesis 27, this is Isaac's blessing over Jacob. Let peoples serve you and nations bow down. I didn't give you the full reference. Genesis 27, 29. Let peoples serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren. 
and let your mother's son bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be those who bless you. This comes from the mouth of Balaam in Numbers 24 and verse 9. He bows down, he lies down as a lion, and as a lion who shall rouse him. Blessed is he who blesses you, and cursed is he who curses you. Now here's what is not decreed in all these things. It does not say that, it does say that blessed are those who bless you. It does not say that not those who don't agree with you. It doesn't say those who finance you, but those who bless you. God declared a promise to the nation of Israel and the descendants of Abraham that I will bless your descendants, I will multiply your descendants, and whoever curses you shall be cursed, and whoever blesses you shall be Blessed. Now, we read this promise in four places here. There's a real, well, you know what? We're going to get back to that in just a little bit. We're going to come back to those verses. We'll show it here in just a little bit. But we gave you a whole lot of things in the postcard we put out and the video that we made up and a number of the other places that we've, we've done these things. Uh, we had looked at a number of things, a number of disasters that came. And so just before we get into that, I want to tell you just a brief history on the nation of Israel after Jesus went on into heaven. After Jesus went on into heaven, he told them, the people, he said to them that when you see the armies surround Jerusalem, he says you need to get out. You need to get out. Now, we know that that's going to occur here in the end times, but it also occurred when the disciples were around. What happened was, if you know any of your Roman history at all, uh, in 66 AD, there was a Roman uh, general whose name was Vespasian. I mean, people who don't even know Roman history generally know his name. And he came and he led an attack against Israel. And he all but conquered them. He was down into Jerusalem and a few other places. And he had the city surrounded. And then the emperor died. And Vespasian was the next person in line. So he went on home to take the throne and to become the next Caesar. And as he did, he sent his son to go and finish off the work over in Israel. His name was Titus. And Titus went in to finish the job. The people in the land of Israel who were Christians and followed the words of Christ understood the words of Jesus and left the city. And they got out. The ones who did not believe in the words that Jesus said stayed. And Titus came into the city. He conquered the city. And what he did was he took the men of the city and he crucified them. I am told the numbers are as high as 500,000 crucified men. They ravaged the entire area, cut down all the trees to make crosses, and they put so many men on the crosses and hung them all around the city, outside the city, that the men on the cross could touch each other's hands. Now you look at that disaster, you say, why does God allow that? You see, God gave a warning. When you see the armies surrounding the city, flee get out of here the ones who heeded the warning when vespasian left they got out the ones who did not stayed and when titus came back to finish the job they were in trouble you can go back in the old testament and see where this this same pattern occurred before and the prophets warned get out of the city surrender do not fight and the people who fought died horrible deaths the people who listened did not on october the 30th the year was 1991. 
over in Madrid, there was a conference that was held. George Bush, the first George Bush, or George Bush 41, as he's often referred to as, he had a popularity rating of 92%. Can you imagine 92% of people in this country agreeing to anything? (laughs) He had a popularity rating of 92%. He made a statement at the conference in Spain that Israel would have to give up land to the Arab people to achieve peace. On October 30th, a powerful storm formed off the coast of Nova Scotia. It was a combination of a nor'easter and the remnants of a hurricane. They merged and formed one of the fiercest storms that had occurred at that time of the year. You all know the storm because, you know, they made a movie out of it. I went to see the movie. Did you all see that? I saw that one. That was, uh, that was quite a movie. But this is a very unusual storm. I'm told that the effects of this storm were not just in the northeast, that it went all the way down as far as Florida. It was a mammoth storm. And this storm did something very unusual. It's something that storms in the northeast don't generally do. It moved from east to west. Storms in the northeast, which way do they move? From west to east. This one, once it formed, became powerful. It actually moved from east to west. And what formed at its epicenter was a new hurricane. It fit all the definitions of a hurricane. It had the wind speed. It had the formation. It had the tropical conditions of a hurricane. Within the perfect storm was a new hurricane that was birthed. To this day, it is an unnamed hurricane. And they still have not gone back and named it simply because they said it would create confusion. The hurricane that was part of it had had been declared done. And to rename it into something, they just thought the whole thing would create confusion. So they left it an unnamed storm and just kept the name the perfect storm is is, uh, something that kind of got nicknamed on it and kind of stuck. But this storm moved from east to west and came back and damaged President Bush's vacation home that he had in the area. Either damaged or destroyed. I forget which one it was. On October 24th, 1992, the very next year, Hurricane Andrew hit. How many of you remember Hurricane Andrew? I think Hurricane Andrew is one of the most memorable hurricanes. It was incredibly big, strong. The damage that was done, it was just incredible. Hurricane Andrew hit Florida. But in the August 24th, 1992, Bush was in Washington with the leaders and was going to push the issue of Palestine's self-rule in the occupied territories. They decided to push the self-rule on Israel. The Palestine would have the self-rule. And on that day, Hurricane Andrew slammed into Florida and did massive amounts of damage. Bush's popularity rating dropped swiftly on the same day. And if you... um, had a copy of the New York Times, which I don't recommend that anybody do. They had all three things on the front page. They had the, uh, the conference that had gone on in which Bush had called for a Palestinian rule in the occupied territories. They had Andrew, the massive hurricane, and the drop in Bush's popularity. September 13, 1993, Clinton brought Yasser Arafat to the White House to finish up the Oslo Accords and sign a treaty with Israel to give up land for peace. 
The deal was signed on the White House lawn on this day, on the very day that the deal was signed on the White House lawn. Emily hit the Outer Banks, the third storm to hit during a peace treaty with Israel giving up land. Three times they do a peace treaty for Israel to give up land and three times a hurricane slams in the United States. January 17, 1994. We know it as the day that the Northridge earthquake hit. But on the 16th, the day before, Clinton met with the Syrian dictator Hafiz al-Assad in Geneva and agreed that Israel had to give up the Golan Heights to Syria, mountains from which they used to shoot down shells on Israel down below. The very next day, January the 17th, a 6.7 earthquake hit North Ridge, California. It lasted about 10 to 20 seconds, but the earthquake had a strong moment magnitude of 6.7. The ground acceleration, though, was one of the highest ever instrument recorded in the urban area in North America. It measured 1.7. Well, I'll give you the details, but they don't mean anything to me either. There was a strong ground motion. It was felt as far away as Las Vegas, Nevada, over 270 miles from the epicenter. The death toll came to a total of 57 people, and there were over 8,700 injured. In addition, the earthquake caused an estimated 20 million in damage, making it one of the costliest natural disasters in U.S. history. On January the 21st, 1998, Clinton met with the Israel Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, and he received a very strong, very cold. He received him very coldly when he came to the White House, as did Secretary of State Madeleine Albright. She refused to even have lunch with him. The Prime Minister would not give up more land for peace that had not materialized with all the previous land givebacks. They didn't see any return on all the givebacks they had done before, so this time Netanyahu was saying, nope, we're not going to do this anymore. So he was received very coldly by the president and snubbed for lunch by uh, Albright. Almost the same day, the scandal with Monica Lewinsky broke. Almost the same day. In September of 1998, as Secretary of State Albright worked on the final details of an agreement in which Israel would give up 13% of Yesha, that's uh, Judah and Samaria, Hurricane George slams in the United States Gulf Coast with 110-mile-an-hour winds and gusts up to 175 miles per hour. The hurricane hits the coast and stalled. On September 28th, Clinton meets with Yasser Arafat and Netanyahu at the White House to finalize the land deal. Later, Arafat addresses the United Nations about declaring an independent Palestinian state by May of 1999 as Hurricane George pounds the Gulf Coast, causing $1 billion in damage. At exactly the time that Arafat departs the country, the storm begins to dissipate. In October of 1998, Texas went through some severe flooding. On the 15th, Arafat and Netanyahu met at the Y River Plantation in Maryland. The talks are scheduled to last five days with the focus on Israel giving up 13% of Yesha. The talks are extended and conclude on October 23rd. On October 27th, awesome rains and tornadoes hit southern Texas. The San Antonio area is deluged with rain. The rain and flooding in Texas continue until October 22nd and then subside. The floods ravage 25% of Texas and leave over $1 billion in damage. 
On uh, October 21st, President Clinton declared the section of Texas a major disaster area. This year was a busy year, 1998, November. On the 30th, 1998, Arafat comes to Washington again to meet with President Clinton to raise money for a Palestinian state with Jerusalem as the capital. A total of 42 other nations were represented at Washington. All the nations agreed to give Arafat $3 billion in aid. Clinton promised $400 million and the European nations $1.7 billion for the purpose of a Palestinian state with Jerusalem as its capital. On the same day that everyone pledged all this money, on the same day, the Dow Jones average dropped 216 points. And on December 1st, the European market had its third worst day in history. Hundreds of billions of market capitalizations were wiped out in the U.S. and Europe. It was a bad, if you go up and look it up, you'll see it was a bad day. We lost a lot of money here. There was billions of dollars that just vanished. In May 3rd through the 6th, we had the huge outbreak of tornadoes in Oklahoma. And in May of 1999, with the blessings of Yasser Arafat, the U.S., blessing of the U.S., Yasser Arafat was going to declare a Palestinian state with Jerusalem as its capital. Clinton felt like this was a premature and asked to delay it. He did not oppose it. He just wanted to delay it. He wanted to put it off until December of the same year. The day it was to happen, the day that this was supposed to be announced, was May the 3rd in Oklahoma. This is the day they had planned it. They had set it up and they were going to announce, they were going to declare a Palestinian state with Jerusalem as its head. They didn't do it. They did delay it. But that's the day it was planned. The day it was supposed to happen on May 3rd, there was an outbreak of 66 to 74, depending upon whose count you take, tornadoes over Oklahoma and Kansas, and Oklahoma City itself was hit. There was an unusual conference of atmospheric activity that moved into Oklahoma, spawning dozens and dozens of tornadoes. Thousands of homes were destroyed. 19 counties became disaster areas. The toll on human life was 44 dead, including three children, and hundreds more were injured. Later on in October of that year, as the Jewish settlers in 15 West Bank settlements, that's in Israel, as they were evicted from their the covenant land or the, the land that um, God had given them. Remember, do you remember seeing the news stories when they were being evicted? And the bulldozers that went on in and knocked them down? On that day, the Dow Jones finance lost 5.7% in the worst week since October 1989. On the 15th, the Dow Jones lost 266 points, we told you, and the hurricane slammed into Carolina. On the next morning, October 16th, the magnitude 7.1 earthquake rocks the southwest in the fifth most powerful earthquake in the 20th century. The earthquake was centered in California desert and did little damage, but was felt in three states. So as this was beginning to happen, three things occurred. The hurricane, and this was Hurricane Irene, an earthquake and a Dow dropped dramatically. Worst day, or worst week, I should say, since October 1989. August 25th, 2005. On April the 11th and 12th, there was a meeting with Ariel Sharom to discuss Bush's roadmap to peace. 
Bush pressured Sharon into dismantling 25 Jewish settlements in the West Bank and Gaza insisted that they not build 3,650 home complex in East Jerusalem. On the 23rd of August, these homes were bulldozed. On August 25th, 25th, Katrina hit New Orleans. This opened attacks from critics and Bush never recovered. If you look at the history of the, of the storm, Katrina, it actually was born right around the time of the, of the 11th and 12th. In April the 20th of 2010, Israel was celebrating its Independence Day as a nation. That can sometimes vary from, I think it uh, sometimes falls on the, the 19th of May or something, because they have their change of by a month. Sometimes it's in April. However it was, it was they were celebrating it apparently on this day. On the evening of this day, the Obama administration announced a policy against the nation of Israel, a change, a shift in the policy towards the nation of Israel that the United States would no longer automatically stand with the nation of Israel as an ally in the United Nations. Never before in U.S. history has an American president and his administration made such a statement. He made that on the 19th of April. On the 20th of April, the very next day, breaking news came out from the Gulf of Mexico that the Deepwater Horizon oil well had blown. And an oil slick, you all know, came and all the stuff that had happened out of that. Makes a statement on the 19th and on the 20th, the oil rig blows. Same month, April 14th through the 16th. I'm sorry, the same month of the next year in 2011. The United States plans a new push to promote comprehensive Arab-Israeli peace. And Secretary of State Hillary Clinton said on Tuesday suggesting a stronger U.S. hand in trying to, trying to solve the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, President Barack Obama will lay out U.S. policy toward the Middle East and North Africa in the coming weeks. Clinton told Arab and U.S. policymakers in the speech that placed particular emphasis on Israel-Palestinian peace. Letter of warning from the Jewish rabbi to the Obama administration within 24 hours on April 13th, a powerful storm from the from the Pacific, moved into the plains and created the system that unleashed the tornadoes from Oklahoma to Virginia, resulting in devastating tornadoes that rampaged across communities of the southern United States, cities and towns from Oklahoma to North Carolina that were devastated by the deadly twisters. The tornado outbreak led to a total of 267 tornado reports in 15 states over the three-day period, resulting in multiple injuries and over 45 deaths. Likely, this will rank as one of the most awesome tornado events that we had if it wasn't for the following month or the following weeks. Because on the 25th to the 28th, a violent tornado outbreak affected the southern Midwest and eastern United States, leaving catastrophic destruction in its wake, especially across the state of Alabama. The outbreak produced destructive tornadoes in Alabama, Arkansas, Georgia, Mississippi, North Carolina, Tennessee, and Virginia, and affected several other areas throughout the southern and eastern United States with tornadoes confirmed from Texas to New York. Widespread and destructive tornadoes occurred on each day of the outbreak. There was a total of 346 people who were killed as a result of the outbreak. The death toll includes 322 tornado-related deaths in six states and an additional 24 fatalities that were caused by the tornadoes but after the storm had, had gone by. April 10, 27th was the deadliest tornado day in the United States since the 1925 tri-state one, the tri-state outbreak. That produced the 
infamous tri-state tornado. I forget which one that was, but I think I had that in my notes. I just didn't put it over here. It has been classified by some news outlets as the second deadliest tornado outbreak in United States history, although the 1936 Toledo Gainesville tornado outbreak actually holds a distinction with at least 436 reported deaths. Over 425 tornadoes were reported over four days, including 259 in 16 states on April the 27th. Same storm, storm systems that had come through began to produce something else that you probably heard about because along with the tornadoes came rain and a lot of rain. And in April and May of 2011, the Mississippi River floods and they are among the worst and most damaging in U.S. history. Do you remember the waterways that had to be opened up Farmland that had to be washed away in order to save cities. That was all because of that one storm system that had come down. States were involved all along the Mississippi path. On May 22nd, same year, we had this incident in Joplin, Missouri, but on the 19th, President Obama gave it May 19th, President Obama gave a speech that day before Netanyahu was to visit Washington calling for Israel to retreat to the pre-1967 borders. Do you remember that speech? I remember that speech. I was really taken back by it. That the, I know other people were calling for, you, for Israel to do this, but this is, the, this is the United States. And we were telling them they had to go back to the pre-1967 borders. borders. The Prime Minister gave a rebuking speech. I actually enjoyed, uh, I heard that speech. And I thought he was, he was very respectful of the president, but still very firm about what they had to do, what they needed to be going on. He said, we, we can't do that. We, we, that's our survival. And so they he refused to go along with it. That was on the 19th. On the 20th, a storm system broke out in a three days, three, four days. Uh, no, I'm sorry. It was uh, from the 21st to the 26th. We had a tornado outbreak. The worst of which was the one that came on Sunday the 22nd. Do you remember the Joplin tornado? Destroyed most of that city. There are others that you can get into. Again, I was just focusing on the ones that are looking at our nation. You could get into the tsunami that hit Japan. This ties in with it. You can even get into the, uh, the 9-11 attack that happened here in this country. That there were some, some statements that Bush had made right before it calling for Israel to go back to its pre-1967 borders. I didn't remember that one. I remember the one from the President Obama. For some reason, I didn't remember that George Bush had done that one. So here's our question. It's enough disaster and mayhem and stuff like that. Why is there so much bloodshed over this land? Now, what's interesting to note in this is that there is one Jewish nation while there are 22 Arab nations. There is one Jewish nation. There are 22 Arab nations. There is never a call for any of the 22 Arab nations to give up any of their land. There is only a call for the one small nation of Israel to give up theirs. There are 22 other Arab nations. The nation of Israel, after Israel was uh, moved out, the land became barren. No one wanted it. Nothing grew there. There were no Palestinians that's the name they picked up after the land became profitable. When it was given to Israel, and, was, and the, the land was actually not so much given to them, they actually bought quite a bit of it off the Turks at a high price for barren swamp land 
or swamp land and barren land. But they got it going again. They got it working. That land is blessed when it's in the hands of Israel because God said, I'm going to give this land to you. God said, this is yours. I want you to have this. This is what I'm giving you. And so as long as Israel has been in that land, it has produced. Every time an Israel has been kicked out of it twice, that they have been kicked out, the land has become non-productive. When Israel goes back in, it becomes productive. And then everyone wants the land. No one wanted this land before. But now that they, now that it's producing, now that it's important, people want it again. The Word of God says, those who bless you, I will bless. Those who curse you shall be cursed. Let's go back over to those, those verses of Scripture. I told you we're going to come back to them. I want you to read it after we saw all these kind of things. I will bless those who bless you. Genesis 12.3 And I will curse him who curses you. Isaiah's prophecy said, Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be those who bless you. Numbers 24 Blessed is he who blesses you and cursed is the one who curses you. In the Abraham account, we have that God said that he was directly involved. In the other ones, it was just something that was going to happen. Blessed will be those people who bless Israel and cursed will they be who are, who are not. Now, I've said it before, this is not about agreeing with everybody. Sometimes we get the idea that in order for us to be good Christians, whatever Israel wants to do, we have to agree with it. And that's not right. Because Israel can make mistakes just like any other nation can. Israel can go in a wrong way just like any other nation can. God does not say we have to agree with everything. He says, bless them. Just don't be in a place where you're cursing them. If we take our nation and put it into a place where we are cursing them, we open ourselves up to destruction. And we need to be careful. And it's not necessarily that God has to send it. It's just the hand of protection that God would have on our nation is removed. And when the hand of protection from our nation is removed, who is it that wants to see our nation go down? God does not necessarily come to see the United States fall, but Satan has every intention to because it is the United States that funds the gospel more than any country on the face of this earth. It is the United States that sends more missionaries more than any country on the face of this earth. It is the United States that promotes Christianity more as a nation, not necessarily as a government, but as a nation than any place on earth. When a nation comes into a place where they need help, who do they turn to? When a disaster happens, who do they go to? They go to us. We're the ones. And God has blessed our nation so that we can uh, actually get out there and be able to help people with this. But there's a real important point I want you to see about this. God promised to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. He made promises to each and every one of these folks. And if you want the, uh, the references, if you're not sure where these are, I can give these to you. But we didn't want to go through and read all of them. But there are, I believe, five times, maybe six, because one kind of seems like it's two, might be one. Five times he appeared to Abraham. And it's not so important what he says for what we're looking at right now. What's important is, I want you to see where he said it. When God came to Abraham the first time, he was in a foreign land, but when he came to him the second time, he came to him in a place called Shechem. When he did some of the other times, it was mostly around the area of Jerusalem. It was either Shechem or it was the area of Jerusalem. And these are the areas that God mostly had appeared to Abraham. Isaac, he had two appearances. 
God showed up with him. One was in Beersheba and the other one was in Gaza. For Jacob, three different places on all the times that God appeared with him. One was in Bethel. One was in Penuel. And that's the place he named it that. Remember, that's where he wrestled with God. And the other is in Shechem. What is real interesting is to see is where these places are in Israel. Now, you know enough about history to know what are the two most contested places in Israel. The Gaza Strip and the West Bank. The West Bank. Jerusalem is right in there with the West Bank. It's, that was part of what they took in that uh, war that they had. When Abraham saw God, he saw him in Shechem and the areas around Jerusalem, all of which were in the West Bank. When Isaac saw God, he saw him in Beersheba and Gaza. Beersheba is the only one that's not in the contested areas, but Gaza is in the Gaza Strip. When Jacob saw God, he saw him in Bethel, he saw him in Penuel and Shechem, all of which are in the West Bank. Now, if you are God and you are going to show up to the founders of your nation, the forefathers of your nation, I should say, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And if you are God and you can see the future, why do you pick to show up to them in the areas that in the end time area would be contested? Why is it that God picks Gaza of all places to talk to Jacob? It's when he was uh, fleeing and he was, he went over there for hiding, hid among the Philistines and is over there with Gaza. And God said, you can stay here for a while. You'll be okay. And Shechem and Bethel. Why does God pick these areas that are in the, the, the West Bank area and show up there? Why didn't he show up more often in the areas that weren't contested? <laughs> now you get an idea why these areas are contested. What we have to learn is what God says he means. What God says, he means it. When God says it, he means it. He's going to bring it about. Too often for people, disasters show the absence of God. Well, God must not care. Well, God must not be here. How many have ever had a disaster at your house, a disaster in your life, and what's your first thought? Why didn't God stop this? Why didn't God allow this to happen? We always blame God for it, right? It shows that God must not care because God will let this thing go on. That's what we get the, the idea of. Disasters do not show the absence of God, but the presence of the battle. The presence of the battle. There is a battle between good and evil. Between God and Satan. And what these disasters will show you more than anything else is that there is a battle between good and evil. There is a battle between God and Satan. And they are both alive and well. Disasters do not show the absence of God. They show what rises up against God, what comes against them. Constantly we see that the Arab nations are rising up to wipe out Israel. Israel is one of the smallest countries out there. And yet all of them rising up together could not defeat Israel in the Six Days War. God has said in prophecy in the Ezekiel battle, that nations, that many nations, that what we what we assume right now is Russia, China, and Iraq, in the area of around Iraq, that those nations are going to team up. Are we not seeing them teaming up now? And they're going to come against Israel and lose a battle they should win. 
And the word of God tells us that Israel will take seven years to clean up the mess. Seven years to burn all the weapons. Seven years. That's a long time. But it's going to cause a rift in power. And get in, we're not going to get in all the end time things about that, but boy, does that ever open up some things. Satan desires to destroy any country that wants to do good and serve God. Any country. And if we step into those areas where we curse Israel instead of blessing them, we are opening ourselves up from an attack, not from God, but from the enemies who want to destroy us. God does not have to send the storms. God can keep the storms from coming our way. God can dissipate them. And we've heard many a testimony of people who have been out facing storms that have come their way. I heard uh, one preacher was talking about some of the tornadoes that came his way. And uh, I think of uh, this particular one, three times tornadoes came towards his house. And all three times he was on the road. But his wife and children stood up. (laughs) And they came against it. And all three times their tornadoes missed their house. The one time their neighbors was completely destroyed. But not theirs. The devil wants to destroy. God's not out to destroy. The Word of God tells us, we all know this verse really well. Who is it that comes to steal, kill, and destroy? Satan. He wants to come to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, last week we looked at the storm that came down upon the, the, the disciples on the boat. There's a name that the Word of God has for Satan. And it is the Prince of the Air. What is it that causes hurricanes to be a problem? What is it that causes tornadoes to be a problem? <laughs> and yet we blame? He's called the Prince of the Air. And that air is talking about the lower atmospheric area because the Greek is real specific about what area of air it refers to. It's real good that way. Satan looks to lead us as a nation and looks to lead us individually out into an area where we are not protected. And when we are there to hit us with destruction and then see us blame God. He wins all over the place in that. God is not out to destroy our nation. God is not out to destroy you. God is not out to hurt you. God wants to bless us and do good things for us. And so He's told us in His Word, these are things I declare. These are things I have put in operation. These are things that are going on. Stay within them. Stay within them. If we are going to go into business, we learn about the operation of that business. And we stay within the guidelines that we need to stay in order to become profitable. And God has said, these are the guidelines. This is how the world is set up. Stay within them. If you stay within them, prosperity, blessing. If you get outside of them, I can't protect you. How many of you, when your kids were, raised, were, were being raised up, how many of you told them, don't go out in the street? Why? Because if they went out in the street, you'd pull the car out and run over them? No, we wouldn't do that as a parent, would we? But we know that there are other people who are not mindful of our children. And we want them to be out of the harm way. There are probably other places you told your kids not to get involved with and they got involved with it. Did you have a hand in bringing the destruction in their life? No. You tried to keep them out of it. God tries to keep us out of these things. He's told us over and over, don't curse Israel. Bless them. Be on their side. Doesn't mean we have to say that everything that Israel does is good. Doesn't mean we can't ever say, Israel, that's not a thing you should be doing. Don't be getting into that. Doesn't mean we can't do that. But it does mean is we don't turn our back on them. Because every time that we have told them 
you need to give up land in order to have peace, even though it has never worked. Every time, it seems that a disaster comes upon us. I forget which uh, prime minister it was. I think it was Netanyahu. Uh, when he gave up the Gaza Strip, he used it as an experiment. He said, this is what will happen when Palestine rules an area. And when the Palestinians took over the Gaza Strip, who did they put in charge? Hezbollah. And now you see what, they, what state that country is in, that place is in. They thought that would be a great world experiment for them to see what would happen. But of course, we haven't learned that, have we, as a world? These disasters that are going on are not a mystery to us. We can know. Now, you watch for the future ones. You listen to the leaders of our country. And you listen that when they begin to call for this land for peace deal again, when they begin to call for Israel to give up Jerusalem, when they begin to put pressure on, and watch what happens. Would you all stand up with me? Our God is a good God. Our God is a loving God. Our God is a God who's on our side. He wants to help us. We want to make sure that every single one of you have the opportunity to be on the right side. Never be in a place that you're wondering, not sure what's going to happen in the end times. You can be certain of what's going on in the end times because the Word of God tells us. He does not tell us the day that He is coming. But He tells us how to recognize the signs. He told us how to recognize what's going on. Would you bow your heads with me? If you are here today, and you have not received Jesus as your Savior. You don't know where you would go if you would die. You don't know what's going on here in the end times. You're bewildered. You're puzzled. You're even in fear of dying. If you'd like to get rid of that, our God has an answer for you. All we need to do is receive Jesus as our Savior. Confess Him as Lord. Receive the work that He did on the cross. That's taking on our death. Paying our penalty. That video we were watching while the song was going on. Jesus on the cross. He bore the penalty for us. And all He says is, Now you take what I did for you. It won't happen for you unless you take it. But if you say, I accept that work in my life. And I will now make you Lord of my life. Salvation is ours. We don't have to wonder. We don't have to be bewildered. We can know salvation is mine. If I were to leave this earth today, tomorrow, or the next day, I would be in heaven with Him. And there would be no doubt. There would be no wonderment. There would be no fear of death anymore. If you'd like to have that kind of state for yourself, if you're not sure where you would be, if you would die today, we want you to have that assurance. Raise your hand. We want to pray for you. Every head bowed. No one looking around except me. If you do not know that you are going on to be in heaven, we want you to be able to have that assurance. Father, we thank you for the love that you give us, the love that you have for us. Satan would try and pollute our minds to begin to think that all these disasters are just showing that God doesn't care and God doesn't love us. But those thoughts are based on ignorance, not based on your word. Your word lets us know what's going on and what's happening. And Father, we receive the wisdom we get from your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit who instructs us and helps us teaches us for those things that you have declared are so and they just go on we need to understand what they are and operate in them to listen to you father we thank you for the life of god on the inside of us the zoe the eternal life of god the abundant life 
We want to learn all about it that we can live it to its fullest. Thank you for the help that you give us. We give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen.